Hello and welcome back to the Korean Beauty Show podcast for another week. I'm your host, Lauren Lee, founder of Style Story, your online go-to where you can shop, learn and explore the world of Korean skincare and of course your guide to what is going on in the industry here in Korea and how you can use what's going on here to perfect your own K-beauty routine. Now, This week and in the lead up to the Christmas period in the end of the year, I did mention last week that we are going to be dropping back down to just one episode a week. Uh, And that is, you'll have to accept my apologies again for that, but I am literally running out of time to get everything that needs to be done finished in the week. Uh, Already I'm I'm finding that I'm working on Saturdays and Sundays. So uh, just to give myself a tiny little bit of reprieve, I have decided to drop the show back. Uh, These episodes and the content that I make for you guys takes me quite a long time to put together, uh, especially now that we're covering like a really wide variety of topics and rather than rush it and give you just a really crap show I would rather be able to put something quality out there that you will actually enjoy Uh, and just with the time constraints uh, it's just gonna have to be once a week for the time being so go get that out of the way please forgive me uh and let's jump into the headlines and take a look at what is going on here So one really interesting piece of news that I came across was an analysis of some of the biggest changes in the Korean cosmetic market after COVID-19. So throughout the pandemic, we've been talking pretty broadly about a lot of the different things that I've been noticing, a lot of the industry analyses that have been going on, people taking a look at the data, taking a look at Naver searches, uh, Naver, of course, being the Korean version of Google, where most of the searching goes on here, uh, and just really drilling down into the data, the facts and the figures to see what people are buying, what they're no longer buying, uh, and, you know, any trends. So obviously throughout the pandemic, the cosmetics market shrunk. There were a lot of closures, store closures in many different areas uh, of the city here in Seoul, including places like Myeongdong, uh, but also offline retail generally really, really suffered uh, just because of all the social distancing measures uh, that the government had put in place, uh, rules around people gathering and things like that. So it's probably no surprise that there is a recovery trend. Now, the lot of the harsher uh, measures that were in place are starting to ease. The biggest change since COVID-19 is that consumer interest in skincare has actually increased uh, 79% since COVID-19 and a 4% increase in influence over the past two years from two years ago. Uh, So, I think uh, we spoke numerous times about the fact that makeup really suffered because everyone was wearing a mask. So the influence of makeup has been reduced to 21%. uh, And that's obviously because uh, I think there's honestly a lot of different reasons. Number one, if you were wearing a mask throughout COVID and you were also wearing makeup, you probably realized at many points when you take your mask off how absolutely gross it is. The makeup often had transferred to your mask. It was just really annoying. Uh, It was just one more thing on your face, on your skin that didn't need to be there. So I definitely stopped wearing makeup a lot throughout the pandemic. And in fact, 
if I'm thinking about it now, I bought a lot less BB creams, BB cushions, foundations, all those kind of things in the last two years because I just didn't need them. I reckon I probably probably averaged makeup once a day in any seven-day week. Uh, so if I think about that, like that's just me. And I'm sure many people found the same thing as well. Uh, you know, even if you're in a customer facing role, really, they could only see your eyes. So a lot of people were doing eye makeup and then skipping the rest of it. Uh, so the other big thing, though, was that many people, and I'm definitely one of these, found that they had a lot of skin issues in, uh, increasing throughout the COVID period because they were wearing a mask. Um, I wasn't alone there and a lot of consumers became interested in improving the skin itself through skincare. So that broadly explains the trends that have been going on here in terms of the increase in popularity of skincare and also the reduction in the popularity of makeup. Uh, Consumers a lot were focusing on soothing here in Korea uh, and also to improve their skin through active care. So what were the active care functions, moisture, moisturization were really really popular they were at their highest and then after that people were worried about things like whitening anti-aging uh things that have probably always been fairly popular here in Korea, uh, and then niche functions such as skin trouble and pores as well. So the three most representative items that people were really reaching for were cream, essence, and facial packs. Uh, And we've also talked a lot about the releases of hybrid products as well, Uh, products in lots of different forms, such as stick-type products. Uh, And, you know, a lot of that was to do with hygiene and convenience. We ran through the untacked skincare trend that people were uh, reaching for products that they didn't have to touch the product and then touch their face. So anything like misting sprays, like balm products uh, in a stick that you could literally just put the product straight on your skin without needing to use hand sanitizer on your hands to touch your face. Uh, So that was kind of what was going on throughout the pandemic. Uh, And then with makeup more broadly, it was about uh, creating naturally good looking skin rather than covering it all up and just keeping it as light as possible. Lip makeup is on the increase. It's recovering on a fairly limited basis. Things like lip tints and lip balms are uh, increasing their sales. The other thing is uh, that clean beauty and vegan beauty has firmly cemented itself here in Korea. Uh, Pretty much half of all consumers say that they understand the definition of clean and vegan beauty uh, and most of them about the same amount said that they wanted to purchase clean or vegan beauty products as well. And this was something that I was uh, was, uh, doing an interview the other day on the Australian cosmetics market uh, with one of the agencies here in Korea. And this was one of the big differences, I think, between the Korean market when it comes to vegan products and the Australian market. And I was sort of saying, look, vegan beauty is still quite niche. Uh, And what I mean by that is it's not a thing that consumers demand in the same way that they demand cruelty-free products. Most Australian consumers will tell you that cruelty-free is really important to them. But when it comes to vegan, If people aren't vegan themselves and don't follow a vegan diet or lifestyle, then there's not the same demand for vegan cosmetics. And they were saying, well, why is that? And one of the reasons that I proffered was 
vegan here has really been tied up in the whole clean beauty movement and people think that vegan is better for the environment and therefore they're you know with the clean beauty as well they have been sold the idea that clean means it's better for uh you know nature and the environment and all those sort of things and what i was saying was there's a bit more of a distinction i think in australia between uh the idea that you know, what's really going to make the biggest difference to the environment is things like over-packaging products, which is a massive problem here. You know, uh, using way too many bits and pieces in a product and then that ends up going into landfill, whereas vegan itself is not inherently better for the environment in any way. Uh, you know, it's like the, the debate that a lot of people are having in the food industry with things like almond milk uh, and other sorts of replacements for cow's milk. Uh, and if, if you have a look into it you know they're touted as being better for the environment but oftentimes a lot more water goes into producing those kind of milk alternatives oat milk and things like that uh oat milk i'm not as familiar with but almond milk definitely i know uh is one of the ones that is said to be better for the environment but actually takes quite a bit to create it uh more so even then producing cow's milk. Uh, so that was really interesting because here in Korea, it's really been tied up altogether and people think that they're doing the right thing by buying vegan products, even though, you know, they don't follow a vegan lifestyle themselves and they're not really into, you know, they'll still eat meat, for example. Uh, so that is uh, a really big difference, I think, between the local market here. I'm not sure about other countries, but I would hazard a guess that in many Western countries, this would be the same. The idea of using vegan products would be the most important to people that are actually vegan and follow a vegan lifestyle rather than people that think they're doing something better for the environment. The other big difference is the concept of the MZ generation here in Korea, where they group Gen Z and millennials together, whereas that's really not the same, certainly in Australia and also in the US. They're, they're very different uh, in terms of their values, the kind of, th uh, pro uh, you know, products, programs, media that they're consuming, and their values are also quite different in Western countries, uh, particularly around things like gender fluidity and all of those kind of things. Whereas here in Korea, they're all grouped together and they're not, they don't have quite the same concerns as uh, those generations in other countries. Uh, the other thing that they were talking about that has really changed in Korea in terms of offline, the offline space, is that here now, now, it is really more about the chance to experience the value or philosophy of a brand rather than buy products offline. And I've been noticing this for a long time. Now, offline is about having a pop-up or a flagship where you go all out in really telling a story about what the brand is trying to do. And, you know, maybe they'll have samples. Maybe you can even buy stuff there. But it's much more about creating an atmosphere and for people to come through, take a whole a lot of photos it's a space to really you know enjoy yourself and connect with the brand rather than a place to buy their products and I think that's still a little bit different than what is happening overseas like I think most of the people that head into an Ulta Beauty in the States or uh, Sephora anywhere else they're there to buy they're not there to like have an experience of beauty they are really there to purchase products maybe they want to try some stuff out but i think that's a, a really big shift that i've noticed here in korea as well uh, and you probably will too if you come over on a holiday or whatnot and see what's going on 
Now, the other big thing that is in most of the brand uh, press releases and things like that these days is, of course, that Christmas sets, Christmas specials and things like that are now coming out. Lots of gift gift box sets and whatnot. A lot of K-beauty brands are doing that. We have our own entire section of the website now up on stylestory.com.au. If you head over to the website, you will see we've got a Christmas gift section. We've got a couple of limited edition sets, uh, including a Jelly Skin Holiday gift set, which is Jelly Co's limited edition gift set. It includes our sleeping mask, a full size, the uh, uh, mask brush that goes with it. We've also got a kit with our scrunchies, two of the cherry on top scrunchies and a couple of samples all done up in its own box as well. So that is the holiday gift set. We've also have a couple of really cute little secret Santas or Kris Kringles. At this time of the year, a lot of people need to go and, you know, give something small, maybe for the office secret Santa or whatnot. You don't want to spend a whole lot of money. So we've got a secret Santa K-Beauty set for $15 up on there. We have, uh, of course, our gift card options as well are quite popular at this time of the year. And you can choose how much you want to spend on that person as well. That's another really good option. Uh, We've got a whole bunch of really cute little uh, kits and sets from I Do Care, uh, including uh, a boxed up mask set. What else have we got? We've got the Subi Christmas set, which has $50 off. Uh, the cost of buying all the products separately and free shipping within Australia as well. So lots of really cute gift ideas pretty much for everyone in the family. So go and check some of those out if you are wanting to pick up a couple of little things, not to alarm you or anything, but Christmas is getting really close. It's literally, what, six weeks away, five weeks away at this point. Uh, So shipping and all of that, you know, the closer we get to Christmas is going to become a little bit more of a shambles. So now is the time to get into gear with your Christmas gifts if you haven't already. Now, I had a really great question of the week come through on Instagram. Uh, someone was asking me about the grits method uh, and whether I had an episode on the grits method. And I don't know if I have an entire, I don't think I have an entire episode on it, but I've definitely talked through it before. If you're not familiar with it, the grits method is a way of removing blackheads. Uh, It's a really good, effective way. I've been using it for years, probably since 2015, I would say. There are lots of different ways out there to do it that people prefer, including some people like to use a chemical exfoliant. That's one really popular way to do it. But how I do mine is I start out with a cleansing balm, an oil-based cleansing balm. And that's really important. You need an oil-based cleanser as your first step. And that is to soften the pores up. Then you need to draw the impurities to the surface of the skin. That's the second step. And I do that with a clay mask. Uh, So a clay mask on anywhere that you are trying to get rid of the blackheads. For me, that tends to be on the T-zone and just around the jawline in general. I tend to get lots of impurities around my jawline. The last step is to dislodge any of the leftover blackheads with another coat 
of your cleanser, your oil-based cleanser. So in my case, the cleansing balm, then you rinse it off and then you go in with your hydrating steps as, as usual. So basically mine would be oil-based product, clay mask, then oil-based product again. And if you do it right, your skin is going to be really silky smooth, but the best part and probably the most fun part is you should actually be able to see the grits that have come out of your skin. Uh, so that is a really, really great method if you do have blackheads. It takes a little bit more time than usual, obviously, because you're you're going in twice with your cleanser. Uh, and like I said, some people do like to add a chemical exfoliant in there. I just need to be a little bit careful about using them in my routine because I've got really dry skin. Uh, and once a week is usually plenty for most people, but especially for dry skin types. Uh, there's different versions of it floating around on the internet as well. So if you're interested in it, uh, that is definitely a, a method that works. It's a really popular method. It's been around for ages. Uh, so yeah, that is gritting. Uh, you'll have to let me know if you guys have tried it. It's definitely not new, uh, but it might be getting a bit of a new makeover on, you know, on reels or something like that at the moment, I guess. So the other good news is that finally we have the new products that we were waiting on. Uh, I've mentioned to you guys multiple times throughout the year that we are having the same issues as many other stores, as many other brands in terms of getting stock. Uh, and that is all to do with the kinks in the supply chain. So we finally got some newbies in and what I have for you, the, these went up on the website, I think like yesterday and people are already buying them. So maybe they don't need any introduction. Maybe you already know them, but just in case, uh, we have Cosrx the Retinol 0.5% oil. Retinol is obviously the gold standard in aging for a lot of people because it helps to reduce the signs of aging, tackling the look of fine lines, wrinkles, and it can help you to achieve that smoother, firmer, and more youthful looking skin. So I think that one will be a big hit. Uh, the other one was the COSRX Vitamin C23 Serum. Now, COSRX has had a couple of vitamin C serums over the years. Uh, this is one, this is obviously the newest one, the newest version of their vitamin C. They're using a, a stabilized form at a pH of 3.36. pH, of course, being very important when it comes to vitamin C serums uh, because, you know, they, they need to work at a lower pH level than most products and then having it in a stabilized form is also a good idea to minimize reactions when the product comes into contact with the air. So it also contains hyaluronic acid and elantoin. So it should be tolerated by most skin types. It's going to be a great product for people that are looking to deal with any spots on the skin, dull skin, uh, to target the appearance of fine lines and wrinkles, all of those good things to protect your skin from environmental damage. 
And the last one, another one that I have a feeling is going to be very popular is the Laneige Perfect Renew Youth Regenerating Cream. So and again, another pro-aging cream. The trademarked proprietary ingredient that they're working with is Glycomiracle. Uh, so it combines energy glyco with a tripeptide. Uh, and this one is going to be really good, I think, for mature skin. It's aimed to uh, deeply nourish wants to boost your skin's energy and firmness. So three new releases from two really popular K-beauty brands. Go and check them out on the Style Story website if you are in the market for something new. Uh, And we've also had a whole bunch of new K-beauty reviews come in as well. The first one was for One Thing's Niacinamide 10% and our reviewer said, very strong niacinamide but surprising surprisingly still gentle so a very short and sweet review but there you go check that out if you are in the market for something strong but gentle uh and we've got pretty much we've got most of the one thing collection up on our website at the moment that is a very much a trending brand here in korea uh they're doing quite well they of course got acquired not too long ago by Akyung industries uh so go and check one thing out if you're into uh if you like the ordinary i think you'll like this one if you like single ingredient formulas really no fuss formulas then one thing i think will be a really good fit for you the other product that we had a review for was for april b's booster hair essence and our lovely reviewer said this is the first essence i've tried my hair is normally frizzy straw-like and brittle maybe because i dyed my hair Uh, I've tried this essence for a week and my hair feels smooth and soft. In Western countries, there are some products, but I couldn't find any for my frizzy hair. I will use this in the future and I will definitely recommend it. My daughter has long hair too, and I was wondering from what age you can use this product. Uh, Great question. Uh, For a hair essence, I think, you know, I probably wouldn't be using it on babies and really small kids, but I think from teens, it should be totally fine. Basically, as long as they are happy to wash their hair on a fairly regular basis, I think it should be totally fine. And they're not like putting their hair in their mouth or like sucking on it. I think those would be all contraindications for using these kind of products uh, on your children. They need to be old enough to sort of understand the difference uh, and, you know, not put it in their mouth and eat it. But apart from that, as long as they're regularly uh, you know, washing their hair, I think it should be totally fine. Uh, the only thing with any type of hair essence kind of product is that these obviously work really, really well on the ends of the hair. I wouldn't get it too close to the... Uh, uh, you know, the, the around the face for teens, just because of how many issues that they can have with breakouts. And the same goes for their shampoo and conditioner. Uh, a lot of teens will have uh, issues with breakouts around the hairlines, and that's because they're not washing it out properly. So just watch that in your teens. If you see that they do have a lot of bumps, pimples, and spots popping up around the hairline generally, just make sure that they're washing their hair care 
products out properly and that they're in there for long enough. You know, teens are pretty, they can be quite lazy and just sort of in and out. Not all teens, but, you know, some people can be and they're just not in there washing it out for long enough. So just watch that if you are a mum and dad of teens and just make sure that you think that they're using their hair care products properly if you see any spots around the uh, the, the hairline. But apart from that, I think uh, an essence, any of th- these kind of hair conditioning and treatment products should be fine to use on, on older teens, I think. The last review that we had come through was for Jellico's Cinnamon Toast Sugar Scrub Foam. And our reviewer said, so good. I love this so much. My skin has never felt softer and it smells so yummy. I will definitely be buying this in doubles so my daughter can have her own and stop taking mine. Uh, So the other thing I will mention about our scrub foam, because I did have a question come through the other day, is about uh, if you are using it, so the thing with the sugar scrub foams is that particularly when it's in a tube, I don't think there are that many sugar scrub foams out there on the market, but ours is a little bit of a, a different product. Uh, and that is because it does combine two products in one. It has the, the cleanser and the exfoliator. But it is in a tube. And what tends to happen with tubes that have sugar in them as part of the formula is the sugar is the heavier part of the formula, the heaviest part of the formula. So it will often pull all towards the bottom towards the opening of the tube. If you're finding that that's happening and you're getting too much sugar and not enough of the rest, or it just feels like, you know, you need to really rub it in your hands first to melt it down to the right size, try shaking the tube around so you disperse the sugar a little bit more evenly in the formula first. And the other trick with sugar uh, products like this as well is, Uh, particularly ours, we've used really, really fine sugar crystals. But rather than applying the formula straight to your face and then washing your face as you normally would with another one, the, the trick with this one or the way that I prefer to use it is to get it to the desired consistency that you want to put on your face in your hands first. So if when you squirt it out, you've got, you know, uh, sugar crystals and you don't actually want to be exfoliating your face for that particular wash, that's totally fine. You just rub it in your hands first, add more water, break those sugar crystals down until you get the consistency that you actually want, the one that you want to apply to your face, and then just use that. That's how I use it. I cannot use uh, an exfoliator. exfoliator multiple times a week so whenever I want to use this just as a regular cleanser and there definitely are nights where I'm just like I just want something a tiny bit extra but I don't I don't need the full force of all of the sugar crystals in it I literally just melt it down in my hands work it into that creamy lather and then when there's maybe just a couple of the little sugar crystals left that's when I put it onto my face so you should be able to get the cleanse customize the exact amount of grittiness to cleanse ratio that you want with literally every single cleanse because you can do it in your hands and break it down first that's that's the way you'll get multiple products out of the the single product so that's just another little tip another little trick in case you were wanting to use that a couple of different ways and not always use it uh you know in a more exfoliating way uh, so hopefully that will help you if you have uh, if you have that product and you're wondering how to use it as well. Now, last but not least, is my recommendation of the week. Now, 
If you are in the Northern Hemisphere like me, you may be moving into a period of the year where everything gets a little bit drier in terms of your skin and the weather and the environment. So this is the time of year where I would be thinking about bringing out your humidifier if you have one, Uh, just because skin can really, really be affected by obviously the, the, the variance in the daily temperature ranges, but also just by the fact that everything is drying out a little bit more. So humidifiers really come into their own at this time of year. You don't need to get a big one. I know here in Korea, there are a lot of desktop ones that you can even just plug into your computer. So have a look around and see if you can find anything like that where you are. If you are a dry skin person who is heading into summer, and I know a lot of people will fall into that category. I've had a couple of people reach out to me from Australia. Then this is the time of the year where, you know, you probably don't need to be going over the top with your cleansing. If you still have dry skin at this time of the year, then maybe just drop it back to the once a day. Obviously, if you're feeling oily, you can cleanse twice a day, but that's just one quick, simple thing that can help is just to limit your cleansing just to the nighttime when you need to get rid of your sunscreen and and or makeup. Uh, so just watch that if your skin is drying out. Uh, even if you live in really hu- like a humid place, like where I'm from in Queensland, that sometimes it doesn't stop the skin from just drying out a bit, particularly at the moment we are still moving into the new season. So there will be just a higher variance of the temperatures. The weather in Australia also has been quite weird over the last couple of years. Everyone keeps telling me. I haven't been back personally, but if you fall into that category, then just know that your skin might have a few additional needs as well. So that's my recommendation. Just look into ways that you can, some quick wins to minimize dryness that will have a really big impact on your skin. For those of us in the Northern Hemisphere, humidifiers are a really great way to go about it. Uh, So I'm going to wrap it up here. I will be back next week with our deep dive, our in-depth episode. I hope you have a good rest of the week. And until we chat next time, I will see you on Style Story.